Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. Do you love clothes, jewelry, fashion, and style? My guest does too, and she's going to talk to us about reconciling fashion style and Catholicism. It's not a stretch and it doesn't require frumpy clothes. We will touch on modesty as well, but the bigger picture is, I think, really exciting. Now, Lillian Fallon recently wrote a book called Theology of Style, and it's very relevant because I'm tying this into our Pope St. John Paul II Theology of the Body series. As we've been unpacking all 133 catechetical talks of his, her book is peppered with inspiration and quotes from his Theology of the Body. I want to unpack a little bit of her story. We'll get into fashion, practical fashion tips. Have you given up wearing nice clothes or buying new clothes because you think it's not possible to on a budget or as a parent or maybe it seems impractical? We're actually going to talk about that today on Trending. Lillian, welcome to Trending. Hello, how are you? I'm great. I really love your book. I started reading it today, and I'm really looking forward to unpacking more of it. I want to dive a little bit into your story. I was really enamored by how much your story, in many respects, reminded me of mine, and that I grew up in the dancing world, and I thought, and I was going to go on to dance professionally, coming out of high school, going into college, but I had this little bit of fear and concern about being sucked away by the secular culture, and at that time, the dance industry was significantly changing from a perspective that was very looked at as classical and honoring the body and the gift of dance to really sexualizing it. And so I was inspired by your story because it was very similar. I know that you grew up loving fashion and even actually had a plan to go to the Fashion Institute of Technology in Manhattan. Can you tell me a little bit about your story and where you found yourself? Yes, of course. Yeah. So I grew up loving fashion. One of the first things that I started drawing were little outfits. And I always had this dream of moving to New York and conquering the fashion scene. And I ended up going to Ave Maria University. And it ended up being providential because I took a theology of the body course, which then informed my entire perspective on the human person. Because when I was a teenager, I thought, well, if I'm interested in fashion, does that make me vain? Does that make me materialistic? Should I just go around wearing a sackcloth? But because I took theology of the body, it really informed seeing the whole human person, body and soul, and that the body and the soul are both good and beautiful. So when I began working in fashion, I was able to talk about St. John Paul II or incorporate that into my writing and in my work. I decided to leave the fashion industry to pursue theology of style in my book and giving talks. But yeah, I also remember that crossroad of like, is this something that can coexist with each other? Something that seems materialistic and worldly, um, but then actually finding the truth thanks to, you know, theology of the body. 
When we look at Theology of the Body in this series that we've been unpacking, fundamental to Pope St. John Paul II's work is this idea of the gift of self, this hermeneutic of gift, as he calls it, in interpreting everything we do in living by this dynamic perspective that our lives are made to be a gift. And we see this in the gift of femininity and masculinity and its differences and unique contribution. And you highlight in your book, Theology of Style, which, by the way, is now for sale. We're posting a link on social media as well as in the episode notes for today's show, if you want to catch it there. You comment about how clothing is one way that we can live out that calling to be a gift of self. Can you tie together this idea of clothing and how that is a part of the gift of who we are given to other people? Yeah, so I love to think about personal style as really a tool for understanding how we were made in the image of God. And really, the more that we dress in a way that helps us to see ourselves as God sees us, the more we're able to share ourselves, give ourselves back to God, but then also to share ourselves with those who encounter us. Because clothing is a means of communication. And sometimes we don't realize what we're communicating and telling other people through the way that we dress. But if we're consciously investing in our personal style in a way that reveals the beauty of the interior and dignifies the body, then we are telling other people, hey, I am made in the image of God. And also calling them to contemplate to themselves like, oh, I'm also made in the image of God because personal style is all very inspiring. Like when we see somebody wearing something that is beautiful and really is reflecting their unrepeatability, it makes us think, oh, wow. I am also somebody who is a unique human being. Why don't I dress in that way too? And I just think it's so important with personal style to use that as a way to understand how we have been thought of from the beginning by God, that we've been made for eternity, that there's no one else who is just like us. So when we dress in that way to share that, that is such a gift of self and it falls into that call of to find yourself in gift of self, gaudium et spes, that only man will find himself in sincere gift of self. We live that out in our everyday lives and in our personal style. That's just another way in which we can share the inherent beauty and worth of our personhood. In unpacking your book, I really liked these comments on style and how it's unique because it combines what we have in the material world with an individual, with you, with me, and how differently each of us dress. And isn't that so countercultural to what we see today in the fashion industry that you kind of have this mindset where you have to conform rather than making it your own? There's this conformity of everyone kind of wearing what everyone else wears. I see it perpetually right now in the crop top <laughs> outfits that it seems to continue to be a trend for well over five years now. I thought that was left in the 90s or in other generations. But I remember when I was in kind of making this transition between middle school and high school and I started dressing just like all my other friends and friendships I had made and my mom commented one time as those friendships were 
kind of falling apart and there was a lot of kind of bad dynamics between these girls that I had been interacting with my mom commented that I had been losing myself in the midst of those friendships I changed how Mm. I dressed there were a lot of things that had changed yeah I see that in terms of the current culture we live in that we tend to kind of have this pressure to dress in a particular way that maybe doesn't fit our body style maybe our age or state in life yet what I loved in your book is you commented about how much you love fashion you saw yourself even in the fashion industry losing a sense of your own personal style yeah it was crazy because you think that in new york city you're going to find people who are dressing completely differently from one another actually find people who are very much following the crowd and the trends and they all look the same and i started assimilating and wearing the exact same thing that everybody else was wearing because I was so desperate to fit in and to belong. And that's such a normal human desire. We are all called to unity. We want communion with each other. But the problem is, is that when we incorporate that with an industry or just kind of pop culture in general, we find ourselves essentially becoming, I don't know, like slaves to whatever this like industry is telling us what to do and that Mm -hmm. natural desire for community and for union with others and to belong ends up we end up losing that god-given one-of-a-kind that sense of individuality and so i found for myself that like i didn't recognize myself in my faith life actually started diminishing it's funny that you bring that up about your friends like as well where you kind of lost yourself like when i was in new york and just trying to be like everybody else there, I was really looking to the world to affirm me. I was looking to the culture to affirm me. And if we use personal style as a way of understanding how God made us, then all we will care about is like, how does God see me? Like, am am I good with God? Like the only affirmation that I'm trying to get is, you know, my Lord and Savior yeah, like when it's it's amazing how personal style is actually something that can help your relationship with God in that respect. I think this is so keen to a woman's desire to be seen, to be beautiful, to be loved. Mm. And it ties back into Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body as we've been unpacking this series here on Trending. We're walking through all 133 of his catechetical talks, really diving into what isn't just a theology of sex or marriage, which it is often reduced to, but actually human anthropology, he focuses in his theology of the body on this idea of self-discovery and how fundamental freedom is and being able to make yourself a gift of self and also in understanding and seeing that complementarity of the unique gifts that men and women uniquely have, not just within sexuality and the sexual complementarity made for creating children. And I thought this was very keen in your book in that you emphasize that connection to self-discovery. And I saw Pope St. John Paul II's work right there because we lose ourselves in fashion, especially for me being a mom of two kids now, and your body changes. You have children, you need to wear different clothes when you're nursing versus when you're recovering from postpartum, when you don't fit into the same clothes. And it's easy to sometimes to kind of throw your hands up in the air and just wear whatever. But what I found mm-hmm. is that fashion, especially for me, is such, I think, a key part of feeling presentable and like you said giving yourself to others that that effort that sometimes seems meaningless or wasted actually 
it's okay to take that extra time, whether it's for yourself, but also in presenting yourselves to others as well. Oh, absolutely. And in my book, I also talk about how feminine beauty is such a gift. That is something that's so unique to women in general. And our beauty is essentially a part of the way that God made us biologically, which is that we can conceive life in our wombs. And our beauty is a sign of that raised nature. And when we dress in a way that expresses our beauty, all beauty calls those who contemplate it to contemplate the divine. And as women, we are able to dress and wear things that especially emphasize that beauty. And then when those who encounter us are like, wow, the the beauty of a woman makes me contemplate who made this woman. And also just the beauty of a woman points towards Think about Our Lady, who is the ultimate woman, the ultimate beautiful role model for us. And then just the femininity of the church itself. We refer to the church as female. The um, femininity is something that when we, especially when we like dress in that way to uphold it, that really is just like, it's upholding the gift that we've been given. And the more we do that, I think that it fills us with confidence and informs how we face the day and how we see ourselves, and how we interact with others. In the seventh talk, he talks about how the structure of the human person's body is structured in a way that he says permits the human person to be the author of genuine human activity. And he says, in this activity, the body expresses the person. And you, it sounds like it was just a light bulb clicked for you when you saw that the connection between the structure of the body and being the author of our human activity pointed for you toward this dimension of giving of yourself through fashion. Can you tease that out a little bit? Before I took Theology of the Body, I really saw the body as this thing that was really against my soul and was trying to drag me down to hell. And it was the thing that was tempting me and that the soul was the good thing. So I thought that my interest in fashion was like, oh, well, this is a materialistic kind of body-related thing. It must not be very good. But St. John Paul II says that the body and only the body can make visible the invisible, the spiritual and the divine. And it was that light bulb moment because I thought, wow, if the body and the soul are inseparable, then that means that the things that I put on my body must be important too. And that if the body makes visible the invisible, then that means that when I put things on my body, I can aid in the manifestation of my soul. I can aid in expressing the beauty of the invisible parts of me. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that was like, whoa, I need to write a book about this. (laughs) Well, in what you just mentioned of this idea that the body was what was pulling you down that was bad, it was actually a heresy that was knocked out by the church during the early church, and it's known as Gnosticism. So I think that's significant because even today, a lot of people struggle with this idea that the body is bad, that there's something wrong with desiring things such as beautiful things. It's only Mm -hmm. wrong if we are have a disordered or inordinate desire toward things. So talk to me a little bit about another one of the quotes from Pope St. John Paul II, where we've been unpacking this in Theology of the Body, where he talks about how the body manifests the soul. Tie that to fashion. Oh, yeah. So if the body manifests the soul, and like think about our expressions, like when we're crying or we're smiling, those are things in which we're communicating with other people our interior self. 
And so when we're wearing things that similarly express the interior, we're telling other people who we are on a much deeper level than just, you know, oh, I'm just throwing pieces of fabric on my body. You're actually communicating the deepest parts of yourself without even saying a word. Like you can meet somebody and understand so much of who they are just based on what they're wearing. So I like to make the distinction between personal style and fashion um, because personal style really is about that process of revealing the human person while simultaneously dignifying our physical state. And as Catholics, the physical is so important, the sacramental. Like think about how the divine and the material are constantly coming together in our, you know, the history of our faith in the incarnation and in the Eucharist, the material and the physicality of the world is so important. And it's how we experience um, transcendence. So when we dress in a way that is revealing the beauty of the human person, that should be extremely important to every single Catholic, I think. What you said I thought was really profound, tying how the body manifests the soul, as Pope St. John Paul II says, you said that, clothing reveals the person and dignifies our physical state. And especially as we've been unpacking this Theology of the Body series, one of the first things that happens in the garden is that after the original innocence, that spousal meaning of the body, the sexual complementarity, the gift of human life, and the mystery of new human life was originally understood in this original state of happiness. When the fall occurs, the first thing that happens is the sense of being naked and clothes suddenly become necessary as a part of shame that has entered in for the first time we experience shame and shame really centers around in many respects thoughts for men and clothes for women how we present our bodies and so men are often feeling this sense of shame for the way they think about others they would be ashamed for people to know and women often feel a sense of shame in terms of how they are perceived or could be perceived and so modesty is a really sensitive topic yet when you say that clothing helps to reveal the person and dignify the physical state we see all of a sudden the shift from a catholic perspective where clothing gives a sense of honor and respect to the individual so tie that for me to modesty because it's such a sensitive issue and one that i think needs to be handled very delicately yet I think is at the forefront of beautiful fashion when we actually dress modestly. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up that the fig leaf, the original clothing, which was, first of all, a sign of disunity in the fall. But God's greatest creation is that even in things that are bad, he can bring good out of it. And it's amazing how now clothing is something that can actually aid in that lost communication that when men and women dress in a way that really upholds their masculinity and femininity and expresses that and communicates it, it can get us back, not necessarily all the way back to uh, before the fall, you know, but it can start to reconstruct that lost communication and helping us to understand the opposite sex and the beauty of the interior of both and the physical. And so when it comes to modesty and it is such a sensitive topic. And whenever I talk to young girls about it, I really try and emphasize 
this point of expressing, like using personal style as a way to understand how you're an individual and how you're one of a kind first and foremost. Because sometimes we use modesty. We, if we lead with that, it can put people off. And so if we're educating young girls in their immeasurable worth and their inherent value, and we're saying, Hey, you have something beautiful to express in your identity that will kind of lay the groundwork of dressing modestly. And it'll be something that pours out of them in everything they do when they have a strong understanding of their worth first and mm-hmm. foremost. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually the angle that I try and go about it. It's like, you are so one of a kind. And the more that we understand like the truth of theology of the body, we'll want to dress in a way that upholds that and pays reverence. I like to talk a a lot about having reverence for the body because sometimes the word modesty has so much like baggage to it. But if we talk about having reverence, then it's Mm. really a gift that we are protecting. And it's not this like, oh, this rule that we have to follow. And it's really this thing that we're excited to take care of because our feminine beauty is really, like I said earlier, just such a profound gift that God gave to women specifically. And I love that you say that, that we need to think about clothing as being reverential rather than focusing on modesty, although modesty is a virtue, so I think it's important we still talk about it, but it has a negative connotation today, so a different way of presenting it is very helpful. And my favorite is to talk about clothing from the perspective, when I talk to young women, of dressing to the occasion and honoring the people you're with. What I might wear when it's 85 degrees and hot in my house is going to be very different from what I might wear, what I should wear to mass or what I should wear to the grocery store or what I should wear to any number of different places, depending on who's coming around my grandparents. I think that that's really important that we have that perspective of honoring the occasion and the people who we're with. Now, in our final moments, I do want to talk about thrifting. I know when you left the fashion industry, you swore off a lot of things from shopping to magazines and you fell in love with thrifting. Can you give some inspiration for people who are trying to do clothing on a budget in just the few moments we have left? Yes. Go to the thrift store, let the clothing that you find beautiful and stand out to you. Just grab it, try it on, have fun. Don't take it so seriously and let yourself find beautiful garments that match the beauty of your soul while also dignifying your body and experiment and have fun when you're going thrifting. I love that. And I will say in testament to thrift storing, I need to get out there because I need to pick up new clothes. But my clothes that have lasted the longest in my wardrobe have come to the thrift store. They're higher quality, they're lined. And I know you mentioned some of this in your book, Theology of Style, which you should pick up. That's been Lillian Fallon here on Trending. I tagged her on Instagram, but also linked to her book in the episode notes, relevantradio.com or the Relevant Radio app. Share this episode on style and hospitality with a woman in your life. So Theology of the Body, I'm excited to finally be in the next section of Theology of the Body where we start to unpack the Sermon on the Mount. So Pope St. John Paul II started with Jesus's words appealing back to the beginning and the question in Mark 10 and Matthew 19 about divorce. Now Pope St. John Paul II chooses to focus in on the Sermon on the Mount, specifically where Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to desire her in a reductive way, Pope St. John Paul II added that, whoever looks at a woman to desire her in a reductive way has already committed adultery 
with her in his heart. What Pope St. John Paul II is doing right off the bat is appointing to the difference between experience versus desire. We'll unpack this more, especially shame in connection to men and women and how shame, as we've already discussed in that original state in the garden prior to the fall of Adam and Eve, wasn't something that Adam and Eve ever felt. It wasn't a part of that original state of man and woman in the garden. Pope St. John Paul II looks at sexual desire and pleasure as good things, however they can be used in negative and reducing ways. The person to be looked at in terms of pleasure alone, rather than a full encounter with a person, is wrong. So again, what we do with our thoughts, how we approach the great gift of something such as pleasure needs to be addressed. And this is fundamental to this part of the series in Theology of the Body. And just to think about, marriage helps to purify and balance the way we take responsibility for others. The desire for pleasure, but also the gift of the whole person, the sacrificial dimension of serving another. Pope St. John Paul II says that this part of the Sermon on the Mount is of key significance for the theology of the body and the understanding of our human anthropology. A simple word or sentence, he says, can be profound in the work of Jesus. <laughs> can be profound, are profound. Just this word is what he's saying. Just a sentence. Look at how much we've already unpacked in just those words of Jesus in appealing to the beginning, the dawn of creation in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Now, let's put a little bit of context in these Bible passages in the Sermon on the Mount to set us up for how we will unpack Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28 in the days and weeks to come. Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount said before this statement, and I'll say it again. So, the statement we'll be unpacking is, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, Whoever looks at a woman to desire her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Just before this, Jesus had said, Do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. He goes on to say, Whoever carries out these commandments and teaches them will be considered great in the kingdom of heaven. Then Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Unless your justice surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what Jesus is talking about, what he's building up in this great long covenant that not only shall you not commit adultery with a woman, you shouldn't even lust after a woman. What Jesus is talking about is integrity. Knowing the truth of the commandment goes much further than surface level and what people see and hear and think. It's about you and I living with a, such a great level of integrity and virtue that it's transformative in the sense of our holiness and our union with God. Jesus is telling us to know the truth, to live the truth, and then to teach it. And that includes fundamental ideas such as what the Catholic Church teaches with regard to how we are responsible for the sin of scandalizing other people or what actually other people might perceive and what we do. This is why we're called to corporal works of mercy, to instruct the ignorant, to admonish the sinner. All of this starts, though, with first knowing the truth and living it out so that we can teach and spread the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Again, in this setup, we read that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, unless your justice 
surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This situates the key text to Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, and that is Jesus' words in that call to have a sense of responsibility for our desires and what we do with our desires, that accountability for our thoughts and actions are necessary. It will be fascinating to unpack this from the perspective of shame because, again, shame wasn't present for Adam and Eve prior to the fall. It's something that entered in when we started to have that ability to take advantage of another and for them to take advantage of us. Pope St. John Paul II says that this is at the heart, the inner form and the soul of theology of the body. And I leave you with those words of Jesus to ponder as we will continue to unpack. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to desire her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. How can we have a greater level of integrity in our thoughts, words, and actions? This is what we'll be unpacking in this next part of our Theology of the Body series. Listen to all the podcasts at RelevantRadio.com or on our app.